Every year you think, Real Madrid, they're probably not as strong as they used to be. Then they go on and win another Champions League. Like tonight, Chelsea found out exactly why 15-time champions is a real possibility. Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a week where Arsenal had a wobble, Real Madrid showed Manchester City and everyone why they're the real deal. And has Jude Bellingham narrowed down the teams he may potentially move to? That's going to be something we'll talk about very quickly indeed because uh, it's our Liverpool slot and it just slides in there. This seems to be a <laughs> weekly thing we're getting with the lads. Uh, my name's Roy Shanahan. I'm joined as always by David Buckle and Neil Dobbs. And Dave... Real Madrid, Champions League, every year, they're always a team to beat, aren't they? 100%. Like, uh, people like to go on about Liverpool shock and the Anfield thing. Real Madrid are the kings of Europe and 14 titles says everything. And once again, tonight was a bit similar um, than every other year. You think that not this year and City are going to be the favourites, but write this team off at your peril. Like, uh, uh, it, it, even tonight, it's like every, every game, you know, it reminded me a little bit of Floyd Mayweather in the last few years where he used to frustrate you, but he just found a way. He'd let them tie with, you, tie with him for a few rounds, press the compute button and go, right, now I know what to do. And Real Madrid seemed to do that. They were well able for Liverpool with their uh, blood and thunder for the first half an hour programmed and then put them to bed. And it was a bit similar tonight. And um, Chelsea had a strong start. Joe Felix kind of broke through. I think Sterling broke through a few times. And then I blinked for a minute and then I noticed they're one nil up. It, you know, it, and it was very similar like that tonight. Very flat second half, but got the second goal. That's probably put them to bed now at this stage. But uh, yeah, as much as we all, well, sorry, the English media every year, City are favourites. And to an extent, I understand why they should always be fa- As long as they're in the tournament, they should always be favourites. They, they they find a way. They have they know what needs to be done. Um, watch this space, everyone else. It's amazing, Neil, because... You look at the Spanish league, La Liga, the struggling behind Barcelona this year. You look at Barcelona struggling within the Champions League. Yet in this competition, Real Madrid just go from strength to strength. Yeah, there's just, just something about them in the Champions League. As Dave is saying, it's it's almost like they find an extra 10% of calmness, of confidence. They play the game at their own race. They go two goals behind. They don't panic. It's that old thing about experience, isn't it? You know, you you see, especially the big prizes when they're handed out, when people are hitting the finals in particular, and some teams maybe struggle with the occasion. Madrid just never seemed to struggle with the occasion. Like, we would have watched them at Anfield. Liverpool come out of blocks 2-0 down, and you're thinking, that's it. You know, the legs are gone in Madrid. They're, they're in trouble here. And they absolutely just took calm, took their time, took control of the game and just unloaded an unbelievable performance that was just devastating in finishing in particular. And uh, they just find a way of, of making it look so easy, so simple. Um, and you look through the team and, you know, this talk of people with age and legs in the middle of midfield, which I find fascinating this year from Liverpool perspective, obviously when everyone who's 31 all of a sudden is now over the hill and you need to replace them with 25-year-old legs. And Modric, I think they said he's either turning 38 or he has yeah. turned 38 tonight. And they're thinking of another year's contract for him. But uh, 
like they've got young lads waiting in the cusp with Asensio and Chimeni that can't get into the side because Cruz and Modric are still holding down two spots in that team and they make it look so, so simple. It's very impressive. Not only him, Dave's uh, all-time new favourite footballer, Camavinga. Camavinga. <laughs> thrown in at left back yeah. and still does the job. It's all about mentality, Dave, when it comes to yeah. playing for Real Madrid. You're in there, you do as you're told. This is a, probably the best and biggest team that you're going to be able to go to. If you don't take your chance here, you are gone. And they know that at that club, don't they? Yeah, and, and, and their stature and their history as well in the sense of you do all this and by the end of the season, we'll give you the medals, you know, we'll yeah. give you the glory. And that's the way it is. So if Camavinga's not happy, trust me, in six weeks' time, potentially lifting up that big trophy, he won't and he'll realise the, the, the method to their madness at times. But um, like like everything else, and, and we'll allude to it probably over the rest of the, 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 the slot, the team game that it is and as as neil said with the aging players it's it's irrelevant if everyone's rowing in the same boat without a shadow of a doubt and uh the lure of whatever this magic the real magic of, of europe with this real madrid team it's fascinating and just quickly on Matric and his age there's a great twitter feed called foosball geeks and they show all these old grounds around the world and this that and the other and can you guess which one it is and today there was this coliseum in croatia and there was a football pitch in it. They did a special on it a couple of years ago. And there's a picture and it's like, yeah, it's from the 12th century or whatever. And rumor has it that it was Luka Modric's man who cut the ribbon in the opening because that's how old he is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of uh, miles still left in his legs anyway. But uh, no, it's fascinating. Neil, Manchester City did a bit of a job on Bayern yesterday. You can see why they're up there as favourites, joint favourites, whatever way, whatever country, I suppose, that you're in. How do they compare to Real Madrid? Are they stronger now this year than they've ever been? And is this their biggest chance? Um, I think so. I think, look, let's be honest. This time last year, we were saying they, they fall by a whisker. This year, they've bought Haaland. Haaland is on fire. They seem to, you know, that little... I'll say period where he wasn't scoring a goal every game. You know, it was a little bit of nonsense as well. But he, they've really began to to find his tune. The rest of the players around him have found their kind of place. Um, Pep's tinkering seems to be coming off now as if they seem to be the real deal. Uh, I put in our program notes just about the fullbacks kind of intrigue me now where he's left out Kyle Walker and he got rid of Cancelo. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, like, is there any team in the world that could take two hits like that where you could leave one out and sell one? And I mean, Cancelo this time last year was unbelievable form, but they've put in Ake and last night to put in a Kanji and they just don't skip a B. In fact, if anything, they were better in the defense. They went 1v1 against the two Bayern wingers. Um, and Bayern have some very, very good wingers, a good pedigree, and they just seem to deal with it comfortably. So uh, he seems to be, as in Pep, seems to be getting it right this year. They've got Haaland now as their kind of saviour now, as in a guy that's going to get you goal in a tight mm-hmm. circumstance. Their midfield are, are, you know, they're like a finely tuned machine, pretty much like Madrid with Rodri in there, Bernardo um, and De Bruyne, and they just seem... This has to be, I mean, I say this has to be, one of these years it will be, but if they're ever going to do it, this can be the year because they just blew Bayern out of the water. Bayern tried to go toe-to-toe with them and they absolutely punished them for their mistakes. And it does help, Neil, because we've given Jack Grealish, uh, well, 
we looked at his game his game beforehand hadn't matched up to the potential that he had the price tag that he had and the, the team that he was with but it yeah. certainly has since the World Cup it, it, his game has been upped and there's a, a big loft of confidence in his game now yeah, massive amount. I mean, look, we were looking at him in the early doors saying he was never taking a player on. He was still doing the, you know, twist, turn, quick, uh, simple pass, five yards to the right, five yards to the left. He's just beginning to puff out his chest a little bit more now. He's beginning to weigh in with assists. He's taking a player on, whether it's going inside, but he's offloading at the correct time. And we shouldn't be too surprised, right? I mean, look at the way uh, Pep handled Phil Foden when he used to bring him in and out and in and out. And just at the right time, he kind of unloaded Foden on the world. And with Grealish, he's been patient. He's never made any sort of... Uh, kind of variables after games this is Pep now again and you know he's just beginning to come right now and you can see the confidence flowing for him and again he looks at home in that City team that's probably the biggest compliment I can give him where a couple of weeks months ago he just didn't feel like he fit whether that was confidence whether that was his own ego whether that he took a bit of a knock on to a club of that stature whether it was Pep tweaking the way he played but it looks like that kind of piece of the puzzle is beginning to fall in place for Grealish is City Real Madrid the game we really want to see now? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, I I think uh, that goes without saying. And I don't want to write off the other side of the draw, but I think we yeah, all well. would feel. <laughs> yeah, I think we all feel whoever comes out of that side of the draw into the final will will win and be the odds-on favourites. And stranger things happen, as we know. But uh, that will be almost like the unofficial final uh, in, 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 that, in that semi-final, providing the two of them get through. And just a little interesting one that's only kind of been tweaking out in the last couple of hours. There was an alleged bust-up between Manny and Sani in the dressing room afterwards, and Manny allegedly put one on Sani. Um, now, it's in one or two reputable site, uh, sites as well as some of the clickbaiters, so, you know, who knows, has it got legs? But there must have been a bit of frustrations there. Obviously, Sani, I noticed him once looking a bit comfortable talking to one of the lads during the game. Which if uh if Roy Keane noticed that you would have done what Manny did. But um yeah, what whatever happened, uh, we don't know, but uh, interesting wow. enough. But uh yeah, that, so somebody like Manny kind of doing something like that just shows the frustrations of last night's game and the realization of yeah, this this probably is a bit too much now. And as much as there's always a chance, um very unlikely going into that second leg. Yeah, I thought an interesting stat last night was that uh, Akanje was the only player, outfield player, not to have scored this season. Uh, so I was willing them on at every, uh, every chance. <laughs> but, Neil, when you look at Haaland, top goal scorer, 42 goals, I think it is now in all competitions. And after that, then it's 13, I think it's Foden, and then it's a, a trickle of everyone else. That game has changed a, a, a lot, but also not, too much that if Alvarez comes in that he can still do the job from, can't he? Yeah, I mean, look, the beauty of City over the years has been that he he deployed Sterling, Foden, Mares, and these boys all chipped in with goals. De Bruyne has goals, and him. Gundogan went through a purple patch last season where couldn't sc- stop scoring. So um, even Rodri chipped in with a goal last. I think it was his first Champions League goal, and what a bloody goal it was with the left foot curler. So it's always been a feature that they build up. You know, we used to call it dead by a thousand passes, but they get in behind you. They find a way of getting in behind your back line, be it one of the guys running off the shoulder of a centre half. And um, there's one last night in Gundogan nearly got in behind the centre half and, 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 and put it in the net. So they have this in in their armour, but now they've de- added extra piece where things maybe aren't going well. You can go direct to Haaland, you can go in behind to Haaland. 
he's a monster in the air he's a speed demon on the ground and when he gets a chance more often than not he will fit i mean his finish last night was still you know you're running out of accolades for the guy at this stage 40 odd goals the thing um, is that he turns kind of half chances into ch- into real chances or goals if you know what I mean because he's so athletic that and so physical that he can get in ahead of people and he can and he anticipates bef- uh, ahead of any sort of centre back there he's just he has that it's not he doesn't be waiting for the ball he is yeah. looking for the ball constantly He's in the right place at the right time Ryan I mean if you look at the two he I think he scored two overhead kicks now in two weeks where you know, he just seems to have time to realise where he is. There's no one around him. Take a step, set yourself, get it on target. And look, when you're Haaland at the moment, once it's on target, it's generally in the back of the net. So he's got everything going for him. City have everything going for him, having a guy like that that you can... And I mean, I, I don't think yet with City, they've had enough in the tank in most games. But the Madrid game, for example, could be that game where... It's one all, two all, or nil all, and that's going to be the one that he finally gets to say. That's exactly why they bought him. And if Holland, uh, if he gets injured, Neil can can City go on and win it. I still think they can. I don't think they'd shirk. I think it'd be a blow. There's no doubt about it. It'd be a body blow when you lose your main guy. But um, Alvarez is is kind of proven to be a wordy kind of backup at the moment, and and they can actually play together as well. So I think Pep is enough. He's one of them managers that would have enough in the tank to tweak the system and move guys around and still be very, very uh, effective. Now, whether you're talking against Real Madrid and it's that 1% margin where it just kills you, maybe, maybe so. Maybe that's what knockout football will finally catch up on them. But I don't, like other teams, you know, when you lose your main striker, you're a bit, you know, say a Hardy Kane in Spurs, you lose Hardy Kane, you're thinking, how are we going to win this final? Whereas Pep seems to have other uh other things in his armory that I think he can tweak. Yeah. Bayern Munich, the hierarchy there, did they really think that Thomas Tuchel was going to come in and change absolutely everything in a fortnight? Or are they just looking at next season? Are they looking at, well, we're not really progressing here and hopefully he'll take us on to the next level next year? Yeah, it'd have to be. Like, considering, like, the, the as you said, the hierarchy and the ex-football guys, I'd like to think they wouldn't just make this kind of quick decision on a whim just for a quick fix for the end of the season. If it paid off and he had a bit of a, a stroke of luck like he did at Chelsea that for that year, bonus. But it, it has to be a longer term thing. I, I, I'd be shocked if Ali Khan and, and, and the rest of the boys hadn't got a bit more of a sensible football head on them. And I'd say like like a bit of a fluky one if it was to make it come good this year brilliant but deep down there has to be a bigger plan um because you know it's getting tougher out there you know and they need to be probably looking at um what they want to do long term in terms of they can't really compete probably like the english league is just too big they can't compete with trying to get some of these best uh, best guys and maybe the best of jeremy's not even good enough anymore as well because mm-hmm. they've always been good at getting that as well so yeah, they obviously must have something in mind, and obviously they think he's the, he's the guy who's going to be able to put that time in. Um, so yeah, anything that happened this year would have been a fluke, a bit of a bonus. But yeah, deep down, I think um, you know Bayern are obviously kind of going to obviously try and rewrite a little bit what they do because uh, yeah, they're just too they're just too powerful uh, on the on the on the other side of the Europe. Yeah, well, let's see what happens there. Listen, I think they're going to be out of Europe, possibly go on then and win the league, which is uh, yeah nearly a seasonal thing anyhow so 
really and truly Thomas Luke is going to be brought in there again to turn things around in the Champions League and, and push they're, them they're on. missing a striker though Roy aren't they like they're missing yeah, a full time. crumb since Lewandowski went out and they don't really seem to have a solution to that last night did a handful of chances yeah, yeah, and they yeah. kind no, of them, you know. No different than Chelsea when you look at the cha- opportunities that they had 100%. tonight. You know, and Joe Felix goes through. You're thinking top striker there that he sticks that as away, and it's a, yeah. it's a whole different uh, yeah. ball game. Okay, Jude Bellingham, Dave. It's going to keep going on throughout the whole summer if he even moves at all. But there's talk that Liverpool are off the table. What have you heard? Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, obviously he's a couple of years still left. So. It's going to be top dollar, and I suppose Enzo Fernandez, as we said a few times, has probably ruined the market in terms of how much you pay for a top centre midfielder. Um, and the general consensus is that it's just too big of a package over a five or six year period, and the agents' fees and everything on. It's not just a hundred million; it's 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 way more. And Liverpool apparently want to buy two to three midfielders. Like they know it needs a bit of an overhaul, and if they buy him, it's probably him, and that's it. Um, so there's other rumours of I can't think of the guy's name unfortunately from Leverkusen there's obviously talk of uh, Rodrigo de Paul there's talk of uh, who's the other guy whose name's now has left me but there's me- there's going to be many rumours of, of, of oh Alexis McAllister he's been hotting up today as well so you're going to hear loads of rumours but that's the ultimate reason allegedly coming from two or three of the sources who seem to have their finger in the pulse that it's just too big of a package and there's a obviously they want quality but they need to buy a bit of quantity as well so that's one of the bigger reasons now people are saying the other potential rumor if he doesn't go this year i think next year is when it's another year left so he could potentially be a bit cheaper and liverpool might still have another nibble again but jesus so is everyone else um and then he made a comment himself today about it technically now i don't know if it's an exact comment but i've seen it on a few sites there before we came on where he's ruled out Chelsea, PSG, and I think it was Man City. Like it was the, the new money, so to speak. He wants to go to kind of more prestigious clubs. So is that him saying Real Madrid, Man United, Liverpool come get me kind of thing? I don't know, but um, th- 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 like I wouldn't read too much into that because maybe they maybe it's a it's a it's a come and get me for even more money with them. But allegedly he wants to go to a more hist- historic and prestigious clubs with a bit more of a legacy compared to the new money money team. So um, where he's going to go, this is going to rage like on. Money. Yeah, exactly. So this is going to rage on. But the Liverpool one's going to be interesting now because, Jesus, you're, you're going to hear about 20 different midfielder names, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, Neil, break it down. Dave's kind of started to break it down because obviously with the Liverpool thing, it doesn't make sense if they were to have a budget that they would splash it all out on one player when they definitely need to freshen it up there. Uh, at least two anyhow so you look at Real Madrid Real Madrid as we named centre midfielders who are playing left back in that club so uh, is he going to get in there is someone else going to get pushed out you look at Manchester United who are who are desperate for midfielders and probably have the money you said he's ruled out Dave Man City Liverpool PSG so where do you think Neil is the likely place for him to go now because what that kind of says to me is Manchester United are something that are probably there unless Real Madrid were going to sell others I mean look 
from an English perspective, right, Bellingham and Rice are the two kind of crown jewels at the minute that they're playing at clubs that we feel they can go a level higher. And the question is, how much are they worth? Now, Bellingham started out with 80 million this time last year, and now he's 120 million since he played in a tournament. And he just, his stock just keeps seeing to be rising, whereas maybe Declan Rice has maybe plateaued. For Liverpool to buy uh, Bellingham, and I've taught this quite some time now, you're just not going to spend a hundred million on him. You're just not. I I just can't see it. So it has to be a club. Man United would fit the bill as far as the same way they fit the bill for Harry Kane now that he's a year older. But the money is not an issue at Manchester United. The money is not an issue at Chelsea. But the money is an issue at Liverpool. So it's always when you're looking at these top brass. You look at Madrid, and I think you hit the nail in the head there. They've got Camavinga who can, they can push out to the wing. They've got too many who's on the bench who's going to be one for the future. When a Modric and a Cruz drop off, they don't need that type of player. They'll be in for bigger fish. It wouldn't surprise me if they bought him, but they don't need him. But 100 million to every other club except for a handful is just humongous, humongous money. Liverpool need three to four players. Let's even call it two first-team starting players. I just couldn't see them splurging 120 million. So I would say the likes of United, if they're looking to be serious, you imagine you have Casemiro and then you're... We, we were always saying the upgrade of Casemiro from a Fred, from a McTominay, and now you're thinking to yourself, look at the upgrade that Bellingham would be to like an Ericsson to a um you know who's even if, well not Bruno Fernandez or can him out but they're going to move it so it's a massive upgrade for them so that would be the type of guy I would be looking at if a Manchester United purely because you would assume they'd have a bigger war chest than Liverpool would have okay so say Liverpool and Manchester United decide it's too much just the two teams in England right say he goes to Real Madrid is Declan Rice a, a good alternative Dave. Um, in theory, yes, but if David Moyes to be believed a few weeks back, no, because he seems to want the one. He seems to want the same amount of money. You know, he wants stay eighty. What if they get relegated? Well, that's a different story. So that's the only way they, for a sale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so in that sense, yes. Um, but. It depends on what, like obviously, it depends on the the ingredients of what Liverpool want to do with the midfield. Don't just look at paper and, and what have you like rice i think will be a good sitter and a, a little bit who can kind of come out and play but i don't think i think he might be like yeah short version he's still in the premier league i think he might be too much for them as well and uh, truth be told they seem to be very heavily linked with mason mount as well which is very surprising considering he hasn't yeah. played a hell of a lot he's obviously mm-hmm. going to play a bit more now under uh, under lampard kind of lucky to stay on the pitch near the end where he went over the top on one of the players but he's been heavily linked as well. Now, is that because he might only be 40, 50 million? Potentially, that's why. But will Liverpool get a tune out of him? He, he'd make me nervous, personally, because of... I, th- I think he's a good player, but, you know, I think there's a reason why he hasn't been playing at Chelsea, you know? And uh, it would worry me if that's what we're going for. There's a bit of a Oxley chamberlain vibe off him. Yeah, so I think I'd, I be, would... I'd be more interested in McAllister from Brighton, to tell you. Exactly. And he's, he's been, been linked to 
Yeah. Have that's... your man, lads, the Casado off Brighton. They've got Nunez off Wolves. These were the kind of guys they yeah. were looking at originally, and they just missed out. And they weren't superstar wages. Do you know the way we're saying about Enzo Fernandez that, mm. you know, he arrived in now for 100 plus million, where you look at him and you think there's a lot of players that could play, probably play that. Even looking at him tonight, I was kind of going, what does he give? Like he's, he's a six. He sits in the six. He distributes play. He breaks it up. There's nothing Kante esque about him now. now well, do you know, this, is, this to, is what I was going to say. That. They have a, an unbelievable player uh, in, in, in N'Golo Kante. They keep moving I'm him taking. out wide. To, instead of playing him in the central midfield position where he breaks everything up, he reads the game brilliantly, he keeps the ball, uh, he can play spray passes or he can keep it simple, very rarely gives the ball away. But they seem to want to have a, a Jorginho in the centre midfield or a, a, a Fernandes, a technician, if you want to call it that. But it doesn't seem to work for them because they seem to have huge gaps in front of them there, Dave, in the centre midfield. Absolutely, yeah, and they turfed out Jorginho as well. So that says a lot. I don't know what it is. I think it was Lampard himself who kind of started that kind of Kante thing. Yeah. And then um, the, the, the powers, that, the, not the powers that be, the managers that came in after kind of kept that going. And today I thought he looked impressive considering he's not really in his natural position either. And I just don't get it. And if anyone, if, if I thought we could get anyone, to be honest, within the Premier League and for a fairly decent uh, price, I would still take him. I think, And yeah. I think he'd fit Liverpool. Um, without a shadow of a doubt because he could he's do got legs left in him you know he's exactly. got leg, plenty yeah. of legs left in to play that role exactly. yeah. Yeah, um, so I certainly yeah. would um, so, so Liverpool yeah. alright right need uh, to decide whether they that. want sorry Dave I think Liverpool need to decide whether no. they want to bring in a six as in to replace Fabinho which is still a big kind of to bring in someone ahead of him when he has years left in his contract it's a different way of going. And then you need to decide, is he going to go with Thiago as an eight and a 10, as in that type of technician style or a Mount mm. where you feel Mount might be able to do the dog work as well as the technical work. He needs to find that balance because there was a time where Klopp went for three combative, full fuel, fully you know motivated midfielders with none of the trimmings. And now he's kind of trying to alter the game because teams used to sit back. So it, for Klopp, he needs to get that balance right. What does Bellingham bring that these other guys can't bring? And and he needs to get it right because you probably need two of them, I would say, coming into the summer. Neil, the weekend, Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2, it was a hugely interesting game. It was well worth any money that anyone paid to get in to see it or anyone who paid to watch it. But for me, Arsenal had a bit of a wobble on, on the Sunday is that fair or not? Um, I think it's fair to say. I, I haven't seen... I put it like this. I've been giving Arsenal some serious accolades. They went away to Chelsea. They went away to Spurs this year. And they really turned a screw on them. And it was almost like they puffed out the chest as if to say, we're the number one in London. Look at us. We're going to outplay us, outfight us. We're going to outcelebrate us when we win. You know, it was a real statement of intent away they went about their business in them games. So they got the accolades when things were going well. But the second half in particular, when it was really put up at them in a hostile atmosphere against a team, which let's be honest, somehow found that kind of motivation, maybe pulling it from that atmosphere. They did, I won't say they bottled it, but they definitely wobbled would be a good uh, interpretation of it. They were vulnerable. They were vulnerable to balls down the wing. They were vulnerable to balls in behind the fullbacks. They weren't able to counter in the way that we're normally used to seeing them. And they should have shipped maybe five 
really, really quality, good chances in the second half. They should have shipped at least two goals in them occasions. So I think it's a fair statement to say that they were they were tested. Now, bear in mind, they came out of it with a draw. You can say thanks to their goalkeeper, but you can look at, I guess, with the flip of a coin that we came out of it, we came through a really, really big test. But you could also say that they wobbled and they really looked vulnerable for a 40-minute period in that second half. Yeah, because Dave, we we were all talking during the game and with the way Arsenal had started, it, they were on fire. They looked like they could stick another two or three past Liverpool mm-hmm. and things changed. We've seen what happened in the last 10 minutes or so of the first half. They got the, Liverpool got their goal. But I thought when they went into half time, I said, well, this is where Arsenal sort of recover, recuperate. But when they went out, it was... They didn't go out with a positive mindset. They seemed to go out with a negative mindset and they seemed to sit back a lot, which goes against everything that they did the whole season so far. Yeah, no, I definitely thought they shrunk a little bit in the second half and it was very surprising. I think they were hoping to nick it in the end. And now when it's really at the business end, they they passed a lot of these tests. And this was another one that I thought they would uh, that they would uh, that they would um, pass. Um, but then in the second half, they it's like they gave up a little bit, like for whatever reason, and were really hoping to just walk away with a two-one robbery. And it was very surprising and the fact that they City have to go there now and they've the game in hand. Personally, it's back in City's hands because they win their game in hand and then they beat them. City don't City don't need Arsenal to drop any more points now. So it's it, there's no more messing now. They can't they can't fluff their lines. They fluffed their lines on, on Sunday, in my opinion, because they probably weren't aggressive enough because Liverpool give chances away. We all know that. We've watched them all yeah. year. So for them to perform the way they did in that second half was very surprising. And now it's back in City's hands again, and it's a fair fight. And I, I fear for them now that they might just end up being a, a point or two shy. I think so too, Neil. Um, I think that City might... Well, I think City will beat Arsenal. I think they have a game in hand. They've got a better goal difference. And I think they have an easier run in. Arsenal have a a few of the bigger teams that they have to play, uh, Newcastle included. Do you think that it's going to come down to that City and and Arsenal game? If if Arsenal don't lose that game, they have every chance of going on and and gaining some sort of confidence from that. But if they do lose it, and it's only a couple of weeks away, that could be where it crumbles. Uh, from experiences in the last couple of seasons, Liverpool uh, was a drew with City at, at New Year's Eve, whatever it was, that game. It was a, a game for the ages, classic game, I think it was two all or something like that. And you came out of it and you're thinking, Ash, it's still early January. We've we've loads of time and you couldn't catch them. You just couldn't catch City. It was like you missed your opportunity, but you didn't realise it because it was 12 games ago. So... For me, I think if Arsenal want to win the league this year, now that they've given up them points over the weekend, if Arsenal want to win, I firmly believe Arsenal need to beat City. And to go to the Etihad and do it, it would be an unbelievable achievement. If they do you think they need it. to win it or they just have to get a result? I think they need to beat City. I think they need to take points off them. And that's I know that's a big statement, but I think that if Arsenal want to win the league, I think they need to stay ahead. If City beat Arsenal, it's over. If they draw... I just wouldn't like to be chasing City where it's in their own hands. Do you know what I mean? I just wouldn't I, like to, I think, to chase uh, where Neil's coming from is the last two or three years of experience for us as Liverpool fans. There's seven or eight games to go. Yeah, we win every game. We'll be grand. City will drop a point somewhere and then they don't. And they did it on two, the two occasions of the, the two years where we were runners-up unluckily. Um, they just don't drop points at this time of the year. Now, that's not saying it's guaranteed again this year, 
But who's going to, from now to the end of the season, Arsenal have eight games, City have nine. Who would you back to win every single game from now to the end of the season? We'd all pick yeah. City because of history. Yeah. Um, so that's why those two points dropped is huge now because, you know, you can see City win a nine in a row and that means that's good enough, you know? So it actually doesn't even matter. That's why it's important that Arsenal don't lose. And I think I would agree more, Roy. Like, I don't think winning is quite as important, but certainly not to lose because, you know, yeah, nine out of nine, it can, can easily happen for City because they've done it over the last few years and it looks like they're clicking again for the for the business end of the season. Yeah, and it's all exciting because it's a really... I, I'd love to see Arsenal go on and win it, you know, yeah. have someone new win it. It's been a long time since Arsenal have won it. But uh, if Manchester City go on and win it, he just couldn't take it away from them. They've been absolutely uh, brilliant this year. And with Holland, he's actually a joy to watch now. And uh, this City team has evolved again. It's changed how they've played, but yet they're still they're still up there uh, competing and shown they're, they're the number one team in, in the country. And, and this will be interesting to see if Arsenal can topple them. OK, we're going to leave it there. Neil and Dave, thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much for you for listening again. And we'll talk to you next week.